So I'd like to do something a little bit different today that we haven't done before, actually. I recently gave a guest lecture at Wilfrid Laurier University Business School about my entrepreneurial journey from starting elite guard training in my dorm room 12 years ago now to uh, scaling that company up into a success and then having it fall apart and kicking out a former business partner and then building it up again from nothing. And then most recently transitioning into deep game about two years ago. And I share with the students the biggest lessons that I learned along the way. I share some personal stories that I haven't talked about here before. and. I wanted to bring this to you now because I've been noticing a number of players in the deep game community who are nearing the end of their basketball career and are, who are interested in starting businesses of their own and also some older players who have graduated who are actively building businesses. One of our players who I talk about in this lecture is about to sell his first company for, believe it or not, between 30 and $50 million is what they're valuing it at. So so wild <laughs> what can be accomplished when the deep game principles are applied to business and that's what I'd like to share with you today. So I know this isn't basketball specific, but I think that you're gonna get a ton out of it and I would love to hear what you think. So comment down below if you'd like to hear more of this type of information. I would be happy to share it with you and talk more about this sort of thing if you're into it and that's about it. So let's get into the lecture now and I will see you in there. So I'm Taylor. <laughs> um, I, when did I go to Laurier? 2009? 2010? Yeah, I was at Laurier a long time ago. Um, I basically, as a bit of backstory, I was a basketball player my whole life. Uh, from the time I was, I, I think, in fifth grade until I ended up getting recruited by Laurier went to Laurier and I had been injured around the time of training camp in the year prior and so I was sort of deciding whether or not I wanted to continue playing basketball. That was my biggest motivation for being here at all uh, was to play and I got severely injured in training camp, had to basically take the year off. I talked to the coach at the time, it was Peter Campbell, and uh, said I need the year off, I'll try to come back next year after I've rehabbed. And, uh, so I just committed fully to school. I was in kinesiology and I, I was really kind of geeking out on training science at the time, training athletes, and I thought maybe I'd run a gym, maybe I'd uh, train basketball players. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And uh, so I'm going to every class, I'm studying, I'm waking up early, doing homework. I'm getting, I don't know, good grades for, for me at the time, like 85 or something like that. And there was this one night, I think in November, I was in my dorm room at Bricker on my laptop and it's like 10 p.m. at night and I stumble across this, this article on building digital businesses. And back then, like Instagram, I don't think was a thing at the time. Facebook was relatively new. Twitter was relatively new. Online business was like a, if I walked out of my room and mentioned that to my friends, they wouldn't know what I was talking about. It wasn't done. But I, by like some freak accident, stumble upon this article and the next thing you know, the sun's coming up <laughs> and I've been up all night, like down the rabbit hole of how to build an online business. And I realized basically that the skills and the knowledge that I had learned uh, growing up training myself for basketball and training a few players personally as well, uh, could be built into a, an online course. And so at the time, there's, again, like no 
course platforms. There's out-of-the-box solutions now that are amazing, but I, I ended up paying some guy like five grand to build this really janky website. Completely stopped going to class. <laughs> Had somebody else, uh, a friend of mine doing my labs for me, didn't go to the exam, like completely checked out and was all in on launching this course. And so from November until August, that's all I did. I was like in our student house basement, which uh, I, I think was infested with mold with my, uh, my mattress on the floor and a desk right beside it. And I was just working all day figuring out how to do this. And uh, we launched in August. It did $80,000 in three days. And I hadn't made any money really up until that point in my life. I'd like refed a few men's league games for $25 an hour or whatever. Um, but to me, that, that was a crazy, crazy thing. And uh, next thing you know, I had a business. And uh, we launched another program a few months later and another program a few months later. And uh, it kind of scaled from there. Over the years, it's changed a lot. Um, we can get into that as time goes, this, it's been 12 years now, which is crazy. I, I just realized that um, before we started speaking. That it's, it's been a long time. And there's been a lot of iterations in the business. It's changed a lot as uh, the online space has changed. And so I guess I'm basically here to just answer any questions that you guys have and try to be a guide as best I can. Yeah, where I'm now is, is different and it's also very similar. It's very similar. And so I, for whatever reason, luck or just circumstance, we became really successful really quickly when it was just me. And it was just me on camera. That first course that, that I launched, uh, it, it was about shooting. I, I was a shooter in basketball. It was my specialty. And so I built this uh, shooting training program. And it, it's funny because one of our old um, players who's been with us for 12 years and now he's graduated, he's no longer playing basketball, he's, he, but I'm still in communication with him. He reached out to me a few days ago and he's like, out of all the programs that you guys have launched, that's my favorite one, <laughs> that first one. And, and it's funny because there was no production whatsoever. Like my, a friend of mine, his little brother was suspended from school. And so as punishment, we brought him to the gym with us, paid like a small fee to be able to use the gym for a short time and ended up staying there from like open till close for an entire weekend. Filmed everything on a flip cam because our, our phones didn't have cameras or good cameras back then. Um, and I edited the whole thing on iMovie myself and then put it up on this janky website and, and we launched it. Um, so that was the first program ever and it was just me. Again, like I was, I had somebody building the website, I had a contractor doing graphic design, I was doing all the video editing, I was figuring out how to do marketing. Um, but again, like I said, super simple. It was me, an online course, and uh, our primary way of advertising at the time was on Google AdWords and so, there was, uh, later on I hired an agency to run Google AdWords and they'd run ads to a landing page, we'd capture an email in exchange for a free workout. And then I had this course that I offered them. And uh, I would just, all I would do is send a daily email. I'd write this daily email newsletter with stories and, and techniques and uh, 
advice of different kinds. And I, I wrote one of these emails a day for like five years. And kids, kind of like a daily radio show or something, they'd get hooked on it. And uh, that was our kind of all I did for a number of years. All I did was travel, write an email a day, do like answer a few of my own like personal emails and check out. And that was it. Just make sure nothing broke. And the business did amazing when I was doing almost nothing. And uh, I remember I, I was in Rio de Janeiro for Carnival in like 2014. Uh, partying for a week and I was actually nervous because the business was doing so well and it didn't make sense to me <laughs> why like I'm like I'm not doing anything but it's doing better than ever why is that and so the mistake I made and sort of the biggest iteration up until that point was that I went home got like severe entrepreneurial ADHD and tried to change everything. <laughs> and I brought in a business partner. I brought in a whole bunch of coaches and trainers who worked with uh, a lot of like big name professional players and built this big infrastructure. We had a full-time uh, lead developer and contractors and uh, a team of I think like 15 people plus our coaches. We were on a big camp every year. We had a line of like 20 different programs that were all housed in this app and memberships and this and that coaching and uh and it got really big and really disjointed and dysfunctional really quickly and suddenly there's no profit left at the end and uh <laughs> i through that learned this really critical lesson for me and this of course doesn't go for everybody some people might be really suited for that but for me personally i just do not want to run a big complicated company and so now it's kind of come full circle to where i'm the only coach <laughs> i'm the only one uh, that anybody sees on camera and I teach different material now, which I can get into, but it's, it has come full circle in the sense that it's a very simple business and it's, it doesn't involve me doing anything that I don't wanna do. Back then it was just, I wrote a daily email, everybody else did everything else and that was it. And I stuck to what I was, I, I was good at and what I enjoyed. And uh, now it's not a daily email, I, I, I filmed them on camera, but uh, that's, kind of all I do and so I can focus all of my attention just on the quality of the teaching and I have contractors employees doing everything else it's a small team but uh, nevertheless it's it's much simpler than it was so it kind of went through this phase of like really simple bootstrapping running really well freaked out because I didn't understand why I was making more money when I worked less so I worked way more broke everything, made way less, lost a whole bunch of money, and then rebuilt it simple again. So we've, we've come full circle 12 years later. Um, and there's a lot of open space I didn't cover in there, but we it's can fill in the gaps. Now. Yeah, it's a different can business. Can you explain the, that transition? Yeah, so uh, obviously in high school, I was a basketball player. It's, it's, it was my whole life, it's all I thought about. Um, after I stopped playing, I built the business and I was still sort of into basketball, but not as much. And, and very quickly, the just um, the passion, frankly, for basketball training itself 
over the first few years was essentially gone. Like I, I didn't care about it at all. And I cared about our players. I cared about how well they did. I, I liked seeing their progress. I liked working with them. But to actually talk about like jump shooting form and drills and it, it was just not my thing anymore. And so I was searching for a way to like, and this was a long process, I think from 2013-ish until 2020. I was searching for a way to kind of realign myself with the business so I was actually teaching and, and producing something that I was deeply uh, passionate about. And basketball just wasn't that for the longest time. And so in 2019, um, this was sort of, uh, again, this is a long story arc and I, I'm leaving out a lot of things, but at that time I had sort of, I decided that, okay, I don't want to run this business forever. I want to scale it, sell it and be done. And so I start building a team and uh, operating procedures and, and various things that are needed to sell a business. Didn't like doing any of it, was stressed all the time. Uh, was working with basketball trainers, which are not always the easiest bunch. <laughs> and uh, it basically collapsed, like everything broke all at once. And I had no idea what was going on. I was super stressed out. We had employees that like were clocking in, but not actually working all of this infighting within team members. It was so dysfunctional. And it was all because my heart wasn't in it. And I, I had like one eye off the ball wondering like, what, what am I going to do next? And uh, so it's sort of at the peak of this dysfunction. And I ended up going on a, a pretty significant meditation retreat um, in, I think it was February of 2020. I fly out to this retreat and it's, uh, it's quite a long retreat, but for some reason on the way there, it was like, uh, it sounds funny, but it, it was like something whispered in my ear, deep game. And I had been doing my, uh, for myself personally, my, my obsession was in the realm of the mind and working with meditation and spiritual practice and, and various techniques in that world. And I'd traveled all over the world um, studying with teachers for five years up until that point and uh, kind of pouring all of myself into that. And so as I'm flying out to this retreat, <laughs> this idea, deep game, and it, it was a course for essentially teaching basketball players how to work with the mind to improve performance. And uh, it was like a revelation for me. And so that entire retreat, I, I frankly wasn't meditating very well because my mind was just like pouring inspiration. And uh, I ended up sort of creating this framework for the way that I see the part of basketball that's played with the mind and the rules of that game and how it actually works fundamentally. And so by, by that point, like nobody could have paid me to continue doing the basketball thing for a second longer. I was like, I am, you can pay me $10 million a year from now, I'm not working for another year, like I'm, I'm done. And uh, immediately flew home after the retreat, wrapped up the business, launched Deep Game, and it's been like a godsend. It's the most enjoyable work I've ever done um, in my life, and it's because I'm, I'm much more just personally aligned with it. Um, yeah, and there's, there's a lot more there, but I, I don't know how much <laughs> more you want me to just talk. <laughs> Is there anything you want to say, or do you want to open it up? Yeah, let's open it up, and then I'll 
fill in the blanks as we go. You uh, two-part question. So you said when you launched your primary conversion sort of funnel was AdWords into the mm. free products that generated an email for a, a, a newsletter. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, that would have been pretty a pretty <coughs> novel uh, conversion process, correct? I I don't know how novel it. There was definitely people doing it for sure. I wasn't by any means the only person. I was the first of that I know of in basketball, for sure. Uh, the basketball training market itself, my media buyer commented to me about a year after we launched our AdWords campaigns. He's like, the searches for all these basketball training terms have skyrocketed since we started running these ads because all of these other trainers came in and started producing content to like rip us off. Uh, or, or not even necessarily rip us off, but just do the same thing. Uh, some of them blatantly ripped us off and some of them were doing actually creating something new, but the basketball market itself grew over time. And so now that's like, a, it's definitely more commonplace, but that, uh, that funnel you just mentioned, which was running an ad to get an email lead, offer something for free that leads into a, a full course. We run that today. It's the same, it's the same essential structure. And going back to the simplicity versus complexity thing, it got really complicated for a while of all of these steps and we had quizzes and that would like tag users and put them into buckets and we'd follow up differently with different all of that is now again gone and we've gone back to the really simple like run an ad generate an email lead offer something really good for free and then um offer the the course as sort of the next level from that free thing yeah <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> so in the, in the early days, again, online courses for basketball were uh, not really a thing. And so as soon as we started launching them, other courses started coming out. And I started to notice that they all used the same uh, template as our sales page. They were all using the same thing. They would just replace words and, and images and colors. And uh, so I started using this decoy page. I put up like a, a page that we didn't actually use for conversion. It wasn't optimized for conversion. It wasn't designed to make a ton of sales. And I put that up so they'd copy that. And then in the back end of our site were the pages we actually used that were optimized. And uh, so there was a whole bunch of copycats with that one janky page I put up as a decoy. And then we used the high performing pages on the backside that they never saw. Um, I, I think that's what you're. Someone you met along the way, and how they've influenced your journey. So I don't know. I've met a lot of people at this point. Early on, that was kind of maybe complimenting you by the way they were approaching their business, and that you know who I'm talking about. No, I just visited. <laughs> I just visited. Uh, well, he didn't come along till later. Much later, like we were um, talking about how entrepreneurs collaborate more than they compete, and I think that's irrelevant. Yeah, I can. Well, so, yeah, I guess this is relevant then. Um, one of my closest friends today, his name's Adam. Uh, he 
he came into the basketball market, I think like three to five years after we did. Um, he had played professional basketball, division one basketball. He's actually from Markham. And for some reason we had never, he's a couple years older than me, but we, we played in the same circles and stuff, but we just never crossed paths. And so he launched this basketball training business and uh, we didn't really speak, like he was just a competitor. And this is, uh, I guess, 2015-ish. Um, so <laughs> we're competing with each other and trying to be like the biggest fish in that pond for years and we never spoke. And I, I think a couple times, like I ran into him at a conference and we went out for a beer and talked, but like we weren't friends or anything. And we had a phone call once, but like, you know, we spoke twice in however many years that was. And uh, so we're competing with each other, not collaborating whatsoever. Like I, I don't want to give him my best shit. And 2019, at the end of the year, it's December, like around Christmas time, I'm in this super stressed out phase, figuring out how to make this like big hulking business work again. And I don't know what, I think I wanted to introduce affiliate offers, like start promoting other offers to our existing customer base. And so I thought of him and I emailed him and was like, hey, uh, let's talk about us promoting your, your offer. And uh, again, we hadn't spoken more than like twice in the last several years. So we got on the phone, spend like two minutes talking about business. He's like, yeah, you can promote it if you want. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like that was it. And then we go way down this rabbit hole. He, he's basically gotten heavy into meditation recently and was going through a breakup and his own like process and his like internal growth. And so I start talking to him for like three hours and next thing you know, he's signed up for the retreat that I end up going on in February. And he's, <laughs> we end up meeting at that retreat just as I'm having this deep game epiphany. And he's there as the most qualified person, I think, in the world. Like, I can't imagine somebody more qualified, pro professional basketball player, runs a similar business, uh, in the same striking distance in terms of size of business. And he's there for the whole retreat to bounce ideas off of. And he was like the single most helpful person in making that transition for me. And so we, he's for sure the number one collaborator on Deep Game for me now. And one of my closest friends and allies in life. <laughs> and for so many years, we like wouldn't talk or share with each other, which was, uh, I don't know, I guess everything has its time, but that seems like a shame looking back on it. Um, I just wanted to ask, like, what sort of things maybe helped you kind of align your vision along the way? Because obviously like, there's a lot of ups and downs and changes and everything. But maybe like some things that helped you stay focused towards your goal and like sort of like get rid of the distractions that come with building a business and all that. Like what sort of things helped you with that? Yeah. Especially in the digital marketing world, I, um, in my experience, there's always some new thing. It's like, oh, you gotta run TikTok ads now. Or you gotta post shorts, or you gotta do this, you gotta do that. And every time I've gone away, I've diverted attention away from the things that are really generating results, we've started to 
become dysfunctional and lose money, and they haven't done a whole lot for us at all. <laughs> um, and people get paid a lot to like sell you how to do these new shiny things, but in my experience, they haven't worked out like not even once actually. We keep coming back to okay, you run an ad, get an email lead, give them something really good for free, and then the course is the next natural progression to that. And in in the in between for marketing, I just teach. It's just teaching. I'm not really selling at all, actually, at this point. It's just like the course is here if you want it. And I'm just teaching. And I, I'm like on video and with uh, primarily on video. Um, and that's it. <laughs> it's the whole thing. And yeah. That's it. And it's what works is different for different people. Like somebody might be really suited to TikTok or something. You know, it, it's, it's not my thing personally, but I know there are people who are really good at that, sh like super short form content. I like really long form content, like hour long sort of like uh, video teaching material. That's kind of where my strengths lie. Um, and we have a high end course for basketball players. It's not super, but relatively $500 for our course is like, that's a good amount of money. It used to be a hundred bucks, 50 bucks for a skill training program. And we're coming out with a $2,000 course. So it's higher end. And because it is higher end, it's a different type of customer. They do need more time with us. An hour long like class on how to um, work with the mind. That's a really good uh, lead magnet for that type of person. Whereas um, a quiz on how to fix your jump shot that goes into a $20 like shooting course. That's a more like quick hitting, uh, fast churn type of funnel. Yeah, what I did was not think about who's the customer. I thought, well, when I've done this right, <laughs> and this would be my advice, is to think about what are you uniquely suited for and where do what's the thing that feels most effortless to you like are you really good at doing these short videos and like you can just crank those out all day can you talk on camera really well are you a great writer or uh, maybe you're more of an operations guy in the back of the business and that's all answers are correct as long as it's right for you and uh, my advice kind of tying this together is find that thing that you're uniquely suited at, put as much of your attention as humanly possible on that thing, get other people to do the rest of it, and focus on that relentlessly without getting distracted by the like shiny object thing. People have been saying forever, like Google AdWords is dead. I'm like we've been running ads for 12 years. I have teachers of mine, old business coaches, who've been at it for 20 years. He's like still going strong. <laughs> the fundamentals don't seem to change. No. Yeah. You've also gone through, I don't know what to call it, many different words you can have for it, but a realization of what you're willing to do from a marketing perspective yeah. and what you're not willing to do. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because we're kind of on the edge of it right now in the conversation. Yeah. So 
I'll say in the, in the early days, kind of the, the old business was called Elite Guard Training. In the heyday of that, when it was super simple, super streamlined, working an hour a day, crazy profit margin, it was like, I, I really wasn't selling per se. There was no countdown timers to a discount with bonuses and scarcity and all this stuff. It was just like, here's the course, here's what it costs. You want it <laughs> or not? And uh, it worked great. And then we tried to optimize and do the stuff that the marketers do. And because that's, that's what you're supposed to do, right? And so we were split testing and running all of these funnel optimizations and getting really granular with ad attribution, meaning like where did the sale, which ad did the sale come from specifically and all of this stuff. And the entire system broke down because not only because it was so complex, but because people see through that stuff. In my experience, it's just like if somebody starts to pull the like, if I'm interested in a course, let's say, and somebody starts to pull the countdown timer and the discount and the scarcity play and basically like play at my fear of loss, I immediately lose trust in them. I'm like, forget this guy. I, I don't want to learn from that person. Why would I, you know? And uh, so I've kind of come back around to this. There, there's a strength in just having a really good offer and really believing in it to the point where you're like, if you want this, take it. If you don't, then don't. <laughs> this is what it costs. It's worth it. And there's a, there's a strength in that. And, and the simplicity lends itself to just, um, just organizationally as a business. It's much easier to like keep everything uh, not broken <laughs> that way, but the really simple, really um, honest approach to marketing, I, that's worked better than all of the sort of internet marketing ninja voodoo tactic stuff in my experience. Also, like to add on to that, did you ever need to like find funding when you weren't like making a profit or when the business wasn't going as great as it was before? Yeah, early on, I mean, we, I think you paid for the biz, for the website. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me answer. The yeah. you you paid for the website. <laughs> we paid for a whole bunch of crap I didn't need, right? And this is parents' money, and. Looking back, I didn't need it, actually. There, a few months later, I found this WordPress plugin that would have built a way better site for $99. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> okay, you know, pay back the 5K and, you know, move on. Um, and that $5,000 website took like three months and a whole bunch of back and forth, and the WordPress plugin took a day. Um, so there's two levels to that answer, yes, we spent some money to start it, and no, I didn't need to. <laughs> and for sure today, you don't need to. Um, later on, like when things broke, there have been two times, two f stretches of time where I needed to take funding. The first one was kicking out a business partner, and he had, he had really damaged the business in, in significant ways. Um, and 
Oh man, I, I don't know. This is sort of a side story, but it's interesting. Um, I was in Maui in 2016 with a girlfriend of mine. And we were, again, I, I had the business partner at the time. He was like flying in a few days later with his girlfriend and we were just gonna hang out in Maui for a week. And this is like September 2016. Business is doing pretty well, but we were about to build this like big, uh, <laughs> I don't know why we wanted to do this, but basically we we're building this really sophisticated app for basketball training. And uh, I should have seen that it wasn't gonna actually produce much difference in, in bottom line profit at the time, but I didn't. Um, this is like a brainchild of my business partner. So he's been managing developers and various things, building up this app. And we took out a loan from BMO for a quarter million to do this. And uh, I have my eye off the ball, letting him kind of do his thing. That night, my girlfriend and I are in the kitchen. And I remember saying to her, I think I need to experience being poor. <laughs> like I never experienced it. We just like were successful right away. I feel like I skipped steps. There, there's like something in me that needs to learn how to like take care of money. So I never needed to learn that. So we go to bed, I wake up at like 7 a.m. the next morning, log into my computer. The BMO loan landed for 250 grand in our account. And within an hour or so, by the time I woke up, it was gone. It was at zero. And I reached out to my business partner. I was like, what's going on? There's no money left. He's like, oh yeah, we like paid out all the people who had been working on our app. So literally overnight, I was poor. <laughs> I was like, careful what you wish for. Um, and uh, that mess kept getting messier until I kicked him out. And so there, there was a significant cost. Um, and there was another pretty significant cost with sort of the, in 2019, when the complexity and dysfunction got really big again, when I was trying to scale and sell the business. Um, but again, none of those instances of like big expenditure were necessary. <laughs> it was all just me doing dumb shit because I was young and like not paying attention. Yeah. What I was going to ask though is was connected to what you said. What did you risk going in to, to start a business? Uh, a few thousand dollars. Really? Whose money was that? Yours? I was always going to pay it back, though. Okay. <laughs> Notice the hesitation? Like the first time I asked you that in class, you were like, there was no rush. You were at school, correct? But were you? I was technically. I was on the list. What's that, what's that principle? I'm not suggesting any of you quit school. I did, in fact, give you a stat, did I not? Yeah, okay, you, you remember, okay. In terms of, of successful entrepreneurs and related to education. But um, the point is that you didn't see it as a thing. Like, leaving school to you wasn't a risk. Spending the money to you wasn't a risk. But none of it, like, you but didn't it, feel that. But it wasn't actually a risk. I, like, I want to get that, no, I, I really actually want to make that clear because I think a lot of the time, especially when we're younger, well, older too, we see things as risky that aren't actually risky. Like what's the worst case scenario? I take a year off school, business doesn't work, I go back to school. 
what's the big deal? A few grand, like if I get a day job, I can pay that back. It's not a risk. But we like hem and haw and are kind of up in our thoughts about what could possibly go wrong. And it's just not really that big of a deal if it does go wrong. And frankly, a whole bunch of stuff's going to go wrong anyway. So the going wrong is part of the process. And the, like, that's what I mean. It's, it's not actually a risk. Even I've made like disastrous decisions, like what I just described to you. Financial disaster. We're fine. We'll be fine. And uh, that's like on the extreme end of the spectrum. So I, I would just, if, if I can give any encouragement, it's like really look at, okay, what's the worst case scenario? Could I, could I handle that? In almost all cases, yes, it's true, you can. And it's worth taking a shot. Uh, there's a whole bunch of hands. Who is first? Yeah, so this ties into what you were saying, but how has your mindset changed like, with failure of when you first started the business compared to now? Yeah, I always, I always get this question when, I, when we do these talks. Um, about like how do I approach failure and the first time I was asked it like you know six years ago I kind of went silent and paused and I was thinking of like what 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 was what failures did we have like I I had to really think about it and then I realized like oh yeah we, we had things that could be maybe considered failure like product launches that didn't do as well as others and but in the moment doing them they honestly just felt like tests and iterations because everything's gonna perform differently. And so you could label something that does like, okay, we launched this product. It did 50% of the revenue or 10% of the revenue of our last launch. Is that a failure or is it just feedback that that didn't work? And to me, the feedback was so much more important than even the revenue that could be generated from our successes. <laughs> because finding out what doesn't work is part of what finding out what works. And uh, all of the so-called failures are actually just like feedback tests and opportunities to iterate and refine your process. Um, and so it's like uh, I, I heard this sort of anecdote about Chris Rock, the comedian, going to these little um, stand-up shows. And he'd go up literally with like sheets of paper, his, his, new, his new material written out. And he'd be reading off of it and seeing how it landed and like crossing things out that didn't land. He'd just be bombing. And, but it's Chris Rock, so everybody's like, okay, this is kind of cool anyway. But he'd just go out and bomb until he didn't anymore. He's got his best stuff. And he did that through failing a whole bunch of times, figuring out what didn't work. And next thing you know, you got a Netflix special. And it's like pristine <laughs> all the way through. So the the... Again, I, like the, the word failure doesn't, um, doesn't really represent what we're talking about, but um, failure is a part of the process of success. Fundamentally, it, it's a necessary part of the process. Yeah, to me, that was super valuable. 
actually. That was one of the, it was a tough pill to swallow, but it was really valuable because the truth was I didn't learn how to take care of money because I never needed to. I was always just like, okay, bank account looks good. There's a whole bunch more coming in than going out. You know, let's spend it all because more is coming in next month. Who cares? And that was like six years of my young adult life when I was like more malleable and impressionable and thinking that I knew everything about the world. And I needed that lesson, you know, really badly, actually. That's going to serve me as well as any other business lesson as I move forwards in building bigger things. Um, you know, I, I can say confidently there's going to be something I do 10 years from now that's way bigger, way more important. And what I learned from losing that 250K is going to be like necessary to building that thing. Um, so it could have been avoided and, and my advice to like every entrepreneur, there, there's actually a player who started out with us many, many years ago. He, um, his name's Mason. He started out with us as like a 13 year old, was doing all the skill training, became a great high school player, ended up starting a business in high school. And, uh, he kind of went to college sort of kind of followed the same path as me, frankly. And he. He's launched this business with a partner of his that is, he's 22 years old. He was at our retreat uh, in August and we're sitting at dinner one night and he was like, yes, yeah, so we're, we're uh, fielding offers to sell the business. I was like, okay, that's, that's cool. Like, what are they saying? He's like, well, we're in the range of 30 to 50 million. He's 22, I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's pretty cool. And uh, the first thing I said to him when I started talking to him about business was implement an automated financial system that takes you out of the equation. So you should have multiple bank accounts set up for uh, one for your income as, as like revenues coming in, it all goes into that account. And then every week you're looking at that number and distributing percentages into various accounts that are used for various things. There's a whole system called Profit First that I, I follow a very slightly modified version of for myself. But if I had had that in the super early days, I'd like maybe be retired right now. No joke, actually. Um, so really, it's a matter of taking your psychology out of the financial aspect of the business, taking your emotion and like, um, just uh, the natural self-deception mechanisms that we all have, <laughs> taking all that stuff out of the financial aspect of the business and setting up a system that you follow 100% of the time. And if you do that, it's really hard to mess it up, actually. So that, that's the biggest piece of advice I would have for avoiding, like, a, that can help you avoid like most of the crap that you're gonna face because most of it's gonna be financial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you stay motivated when there's other platforms like YouTube that kind of could have done like the same thing in a way, but like for free? Like if you motivated. Videos, like when you were first started on the videos, right? So like how did you like stay motivated? Stay motivated. People so putting videos yeah. similar to yours up on YouTube, but that was later. Oh yeah, that, that didn't affect things yeah. at all. That generated demand. Like, yeah, that sort of was, that was like an appetizer to our program. So if anything, that helped us. And uh, we, 
use YouTube substantially now, but in the early days, like I, I wouldn't post videos. I was like, you can opt in, get the daily email, and if you want me on video, buy the program. And uh, everybody was posting free, free stuff, and I was like, go ahead. You know, <laughs> we're doing better than all of them, and I'm not doing any of this crap. So, uh, you know, back in those days anyway, now I really like YouTube, and I, haven't, I don't do the emails anymore, and it's, it's all video. Um, but, yeah, as far as motivation, it wasn't really a factor at the time, and, and I found that other people's content would almost, like, whet the appetite of our audience. <laughs> I definitely wasn't in university, um, but yeah. <laughs> well, at that time, I didn't. I didn't really have a team necessarily. Like I would kind of scavenger hunt for contractors, and a friend or like a business associate would know a, a good designer, and I'd use that guy or whatever. Um, as time went on, and like to be clear, I, I'm actually quite bad at this. Um, Building teams and managing teams of people has never been my strong suit. And I, I sort of learned that the hard way through building big teams of people and managing them. And uh, the biggest thing that I learned, honestly, because now we're actually starting to build a team in a more interesting way for deep game. And what I learned is that, you know, that uh, <laughs> Many years ago, that business partner and I were in Cape Town in South Africa, and we rented this place for a month and invited our designer, our developer, a few other people that worked with us, and we sort of had this like working house in Cape Town. And uh, not a whole lot of work got done, but I looked around one night and I was like, oh, there's nobody involved in basketball here, but we run a basketball company. Like my business partner couldn't care less about basketball, our developer, like knows that there's a ball and a hoop and that's it. it like it couldn't be further from it. Uh, designer, same thing. It, I was like, oh, this, this is a basketball company that has nothing to do with basketball on a personal level. That's probably not a good thing. And uh, that's where a lot of the dysfunction came from was my own like uh, misalignment with what the business was about that it was sort of like, you know, if you're off by an inch, it's fine right now, but then down the road, suddenly you're off by a mile. And uh, I was, I didn't care about basketball, so I didn't care if the people around me cared about basketball. And suddenly our business sort of lost the like soul. It lost the soul, like the, our customers can feel that. And we'd say things that were just a little bit off. They, they weren't, they didn't ring true to the culture basketball culture and so <laughs> my first sort of conclusion that I jumped to is like well I don't want to have any people let me just I, I've got contractors to do design work and development work as needed at minimum I've got my editor but like the they're just contract we're not building teams anymore it's just me and uh, interestingly enough with deep game what's happened is that our our longtime customers that have been with me for 
um, since the basketball training days and now have evolved through our meditation material and, and the like internal work, um, they're becoming our team. <laughs> so we have kids who have graduated, um, you know, they're in their early 20s for the most part, know the material as well or better than I do, like know where I said certain things, they can ring off like direct quotes from me. And I'm like, did I say that? It, so we have a team full of diehards and uh, it's kind of amazing actually to watch. And just yesterday I was on the phone with this 16 year old who's in the deep game program who has found his way into doing video editing work for the New York Knicks. And he was like, man, I can make, he's like, I, I didn't want to do this, but uh, because I, I didn't want to have to do it myself or like manage it. But he was like, hey, we, I can take your content and create short clips for TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Like I, I haven't looked at the Instagram app in like four years. I don't know what it looks like. I've never had TikTok. I, I'm so out of the loop on those platforms. And so it would never happen without him. And I can just hand it over to him and he can go through all the material and know exactly what the best stuff is because he's in it, he lives it. And uh, it's, it's an interesting, I, I'm in the early stages of it now, but to me where I see it going and the potential of having a team full of people who are all aligned for the same purpose, that's a really powerful thing. Um, when it's a bunch of people who are just there to make money, it's, I don't know, you're, you're rowing the boat with like oars pointed in the different directions. Everybody's got their own agenda. Nobody's actually aligned with the like spirit of the company. And so um, that's what I would say is like align yourself first, obviously, but then I would suggest being pretty relentless and, and kind of drawing your line in the sand around who you let be a part of that. And they've got to really actually be a part of it. Like they, they have to live it. And uh, teams that are built around that tend to do really well. Um, is there anything that you say that you're still like learning or still trying to improve? Um, like in the way that, like, I don't know how to word this, like not just in your company, but like you yourself and like how you are as an entrepreneur? Yeah, totally. Well, the, the biggest thing for me and it, it took me a little while to kind of identify this, but I wish I had done this earlier in identifying what I most essentially am as an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of things you can be, right? And there's hybrids of these things. There's like operators who are behind the scenes making everything work. Uh, there are actually the creatives that create the like, the actual product, whether that's a course or a, a physical product or whatever. Um, there's people who are really good at sales and there's people who are really good managers, but they're fundamentally suited for those things. And I always sort of knew what I was suited for, but I like thought I needed to also be suited for everything else. And I tried to do that to with very little success or success plus headache which is not success. <laughs> and so I've learned about myself that most fundamentally I'm a teacher. And what I do best is creating material and teaching it. And what I'm most focused on is 
just continuous incremental improvement in the way that uh, the clarity of the teaching and the communication of the teaching. So how I articulate concepts, how I tell stories, things of that nature, metaphors, like how, how well I can make a teaching land. And that to me, the biggest development personally, but also that it's like reflected immediately in the business has been when I just focus on a particular craft and developing it over a long period of time, like the daily emails, every day for five years I'd write an email. And that's kind of all I did. <laughs> and uh, I got really good at them only through repetition. And now it's taken the form of speaking and teaching on camera and teaching to groups. Um, but yeah, I, I really personally love that approach to entrepreneurship of just finding what you're uniquely suited for and then just hammering on that craft, incrementally getting better over a long period of time. And then finally, you're actually can become world-class in like five to 10 years. World-class, I mean like the best, 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 best. And that's totally doable for anybody. But it's very hard to be best, 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 best at something you're not uniquely suited for. So that's the first step. Uh, as an entrepreneur and as a person, like where do you see yourself in five years from now? On Maui, with 10 acres of land, with uh, on the North Shore, on the water, with a house that has a retreat wing for guests who come on retreat with us, and uh, doing teaching of this nature, but without the basketball wrapper. So teaching higher level concepts that um, I personally have been involved with for many years now. Um, and I'm sort of doing that now. It just is like there's a basketball container around it and I'm not living in Maui yet. So I'm going to be doing this just in a different location with different words in five, ten years. But I'm going to be doing this essentially for the rest of my life, I think. Like I, I can't see not doing it. Was there any stories about what you've gone through more? <laughs> yeah. uh, the... Taking on too much is like a constant thing. That's a constant battle. And I finally am getting okay at noticing when I'm doing that and not doing it. Um, for example, uh, I ran our first official like deep game retreat in August. And it was a big process for me personally, like developing the material and just even getting to that point. It was like a serious journey and it, it was 12 years from the starting date of the original company and had been through all, all of these ups and downs. And when the retreat finished, it went amazing. And then I totally crashed. And uh, not even in my physical energy, just psychologically, I was like, I was just empty. And uh, there was that impulse, this is like just a month ago really, there was that natural impulse to like, oh, but I have to do a bunch of stuff, right? So let me like dig into our YouTube ads and then let me look at our funnel and then let, and finally I just like took the month off, didn't do anything. And there, there I saw this list of things that I was planning on doing before I took the month off that I had set for myself while I was in that sort of depleted, anxious state. And I think like, like eight or nine of them were totally unnecessary 
And then there were like two good ones. And so now I'm just focusing completely on the two good ones. <laughs> and that process of really identifying what's important here uh, is, I mean, I wish, I wish I had done, the, the amount of like wasted motion that I've had in over the last 12 years, um, it's probably more than half of what I've done is like just not useful. And I think that goes for everybody because I'm constantly looking at it and being like, okay, what's, I, I'm constantly tracking that and yet I still slip up. Um, so yeah, like the, it's much more useful in my opinion, my experience to focus on like a very, very small number of things, even down to one thing and giving it all of your attention rather than spreading your attention thin across a whole bunch of stuff that may or may not yield results. set me back in, in what sense? Just like, I don't know, in your class we were talking about how sometimes when entrepreneurs have like, like too clear of a vision of what they want, they may not follow the path that's kind of towards, like, they should be following, like, yeah. according to those trends or whatever. Yeah, like life's got bigger plans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so funny enough, it looks a lot more similar to what it initially looked like now than it did even five years ago. It's, it's kind of come full circle in a way. It's a lot more polished. <laughs> it's a lot more, it's like it looks better, it's cleaner and tighter, but the kind of, the elements of it are, are the same because the fundamentals haven't really changed actually. Um, and that's kind of always been the, struggle internally I've had, especially with, like, I, I think getting at the question you're really asking, I haven't set a goal in like six years. And at first I was like, why? It just didn't feel right. It's like, why would I, it almost felt arrogant. I was like, well, I, why would I, it's above my pay grade to decide where life is going to take me, you know? Um, and at this point, I, I can see a bit more clearly that um, when I set my mind on one thing, I miss what's going on in all of these other, like all of these other possibilities. If I lock in on one possibility, I'm blind to every other possibility. And so to the best of my ability, I've tried to practice like opening up that vision and just going by what feels right to me in the moment, not what gets me like, um, not responding out of fear of not doing something that somebody else is doing or fear of like not making enough money through this certain or, or whatever, just what like deeply feels right and just following that and then letting the rest kind of organize itself. And that's worked a whole lot better actually than like me imposing my will on uh, the course of life. I think that's the question you were asking. Is that, yeah, yeah. I will say just really quick to add to that. 
I went back through all of the like major goals that I'd set for myself earlier on in life. And I realized that I didn't actually achieve any of them. Interestingly enough, it's like being an NBA player, division one player, uh, scaling and selling a company for a hundred million dollars, like doing all these things that I planned in my mind. Basically I took like ideas out of thin air and said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, for every single one of those things that I didn't achieve, something way better has happened. And we were watching this show on HBO about uh, the Showtime Lakers. It was a drama. Uh, it's a really good show, but you asked me, uh, would you do that if you, would you have done that if you could have? Would you be like an NBA player? And I was like, no, <laughs> not a chance. Like, no way. This is a thousand times better for me personally like, I, I'm so in love with what I'm doing right now. I couldn't even imagine not doing this to, like, play professional basketball. It's so outside of the realm of imagination. So uh, I couldn't have planned this, but it's much better. <laughs> and I think trying as best you can to, like, practice opening up your mind to the possibilities and going with things as they happen uh, is a really good idea. Oh, sorry. Uh, who's? <laughs> um, this is kind of a stupid question, but um, how, how do you think networking and just communicating with like, other people and organizations kind of contributed to your success? And also, like, who did you speak to about your ideas before launching your business? So when I was in high school, I was really geeking out on training science. Uh, and there was this online forum that had like 20 members. <laughs> and it was a bunch of like high level trainers and athletes who were doing like really cutting edge training and, uh, and sharing ideas. And somehow I got into this forum and I was like just a really obsessed kid. And there was a guy in that forum who I met who is also a basketball player, college player. and he went on to start a business and like um, he created like a program about speed and quickness development and, and he had uh, some other programs as well. He's, he's still doing really well to this day. And uh, we met each other before we had ever launched a business online. And so he was one of the first people that really helped me formulate and refine the idea and what I was going to do. And um, Without that contact, I remember that night in the dorm room when I was on my laptop, I like stumbled across this article about him and I recognized his name. I was like, oh, that guy. What? He, and he had launched a, uh, that speed and quickness program and done really well. And so just seeing him, somebody who's like me as a similar background, do it, um, for one was a vote of confidence, but also it was a person that I'm already connected to who can help me and we became close friends for a number of years we no longer are but he was a, a really big part of me getting started and I, I already mentioned my friend Adam who was a huge part of deep game getting started and tracing back like over the last 12 years every big leap that I've made actually um, not incremental leap but like big gigantic huge leap in, in the um, evolution of the business has come from meeting somebody. And first it was him, uh, his name's Alex. And then I met 
my first business coach, whose name was Paul Reddick, who ran this uh, baseball education company and was doing millions of dollars a year in baseball. And uh, he kind of got me running Google AdWords and got our funnel dialed in. And um, he like changed my life, you know? And uh, I met Adam and I, I met, you know, at every step of the way, giant leaps were made from meeting somebody, not from learning some new technique or coming up with an idea myself. Yeah, so it was fundamental really. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. One habit since the beginning. Uh, so it's the habit of daily skill development at whatever uh, I have been uniquely suited to. So in the beginning, it was writing a daily email. And no matter what, there, there was a day I was in Bali on this rickshaw and like, you know, Bali's, it's all dirt roads and crazy drivers and this guy's swerving all over the road and I'm in a rickshaw with my laptop on my legs like, like banging out this email, literally. And uh, I was like, the email's gonna happen no matter what. I'm gonna put in the rep. And uh, today it's, it's taken a different form but it's that habit of every day I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna get a little bit better at the thing that I'm best at. And that I think could apply to anybody that's the most valuable thing and for years i did that every day first thing and uh yeah i, I would say that <laughs> above anything else yeah yeah I mean, it's how you get good at anything but like identifying that thing and then just doing it no matter what every day yeah same idea Yeah, we, we market and have marketed pretty much the whole way. We, we've used other platforms too, but the bulk of it has been Google AdWords. So there's various targeting mechanics on all of these platforms that will find those people for you. Um, and we just run ads to those groups. And that's it. No, we've like very, very lightly dabbled in sort of grassroots approaches and it was so insignificant compared to just running ads. <laughs> running ads, like you just write a bigger check when you, if, if you have a, if you know you're going to make $3 for every dollar that you put into ads, it's like, okay, can I give you a million today? Can I give you 5 million today? It, it's, I'm not doing that. I'm just <laughs> for, uh, for drama, <laughs> for dramatic purposes, like you'll put in as much into that as you possibly can. And the slow approach of like, let me reach out to this person or this sports team, it, maybe it's helpful in the early days when you don't have a working profitable funnel for generating attention. Um, but I would graduate onto like just 
traditional marketing as quickly as you can because the reach is the entire world rather than one sports team. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to choose a? It's a lot of people that. We're not not friends. Um, uh, yeah, it wasn't. It it actually was never contentious, and he still considers us a lot closer than I consider him. He's, he's just gone down a, a really uh, different path. Yeah, so we're not like in contact, but yeah, uh, I'm not sure how much I, I can say more if you'd like. He just wasn't working. He was like partying. And he was just like traveling around partying and I was running our camps and, and finally I was like, dude, what do you do? Why are you here? <laughs> like the, yeah, and um, he was really, to this day, like probably the most genuinely brilliant person I've met and also a bit of a sociopath and psychopath and like, difficult to have a relationship with but super intelligent and was totally capable of doing what he set out to do and even did it for a short like a period of a couple years and then he was like okay I don't really care and yeah <laughs> yeah sure Um, for whatever reason, fear didn't necessarily play a big role. Um, like it didn't, and I don't honestly know why this is exactly, but like in the early days, dropping out of school was not as, uh, to start this. It, it just seemed obvious to me. It's like, why would I not do that? Um, and the bigger steps, even to this day, that I'm take, they, they don't feel scary so much as uh, ready. There's things that I'm, I know I'm going to do that don't feel scary, but just they, they don't feel like they're ready yet. <laughs> um, but that's kind of all I can say about that because it, it just, I, I really didn't feel it actually. And I, from my perspective, a lot of what Taylor goes through makes me want to throw up. Okay, <laughs> so it's, it's who he is. But I think the thing that's, it's not genetic necessarily, deeply reflects. And I think you can probably tell that in listening to him. But you know how we talk about that being the core practice? He deeply reflects. And sometimes I'm just like, on the, like I don't want to say anything to you, but I'm just like, oh my God. Like, why did you tell me that? Because now I can't go to sleep. And like, I'm just, you know, because he's my kid. But, and then he'll just say something that is just like, I'll go, oh, you're absolutely right, and yeah, and I'm thinking I'm supposed to be the mom, and you know, what the hell? And so you know, it's deep reflection and being very mature about it, and, and really, like he really, when he talks about, you know, it's just a learning, a feedback, and whatever, uh, that's, like, he takes that to heart. Like, that would take me way longer to get there, and I talk about it, and I know it intellectually, but, like, it's, it's believing in it, you know? Well, it's, it's almost, I'll, I'll add as well that it doesn't, 
necessarily feel like a belief. It's not like I'm talking myself into that every day. It's just like that's true, actually. It, it, in my worldview, and I think in the like true worldview, that's that's just true. And that comes from getting beaten up a bunch of times and realizing you're not made of glass. And losing a whole bunch of money, like a quarter million dollars overnight, taught me that money is replaceable, actually. And I, I was reading this book by a, an old marketing author named Dan Kennedy a number of years ago. And uh, in one chapter, he was like, he's sort of like an OG marketing guru <laughs> to all of the big internet people. And uh, he said, do you want to know the one commonality between and rattled off all these big time entrepreneurs, super successful people, Walt Disney, da, da, da. and he's like, what was it skill or like self-belief or it was bankruptcy, bankruptcy or near bankruptcy. And they'd all gone through it. He's like, and, and he had gone through it as well. And he said, it's the, radical failure, like hitting rock bottom when you realize it's not that big of a deal. And you just get up and just keep going. It's like, whatever. <laughs> Lessons learned, iterate. And that's actually true. Um, but it's, you know, if you've never been hit, you're most afraid of being hit until you're hit and you realize, like, oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> So what I personally do, I can tell when I've tied my mind in knots. <laughs> like I, I can't necessarily always tell what the right answer is, but I can tell when I don't know <laughs> what the right answer is. And I'll go talk to Adam actually, and he'll help me sort it out. So a lot of the time it's having somebody that you can reflect with uh, who's reliable. Cause like he can, in those moments when I'm like, totally tangled up. He can give me the wrong advice and mess me up. Uh, hopefully I can see through that and, oh, that doesn't feel quite right. And he'll say something and I'll bounce it back to him. And it's a process. But having somebody like that is really valuable. Um, but honestly, the, the honest answer I wish I could give, like a, aside from talk to somebody that you trust, um, the honest answer is that uh, it's meditation and being able to listen to deeper signals from within myself, not what is, what are my like transient thoughts saying? What are my emotions saying? But like, what is my deeper intuition saying? And if something feels a little bit off, it's all the way off and I don't do it. And that's been the biggest rule actually is, okay, if this feel, if this isn't a hundred percent, yes, it's a no. And that's made everything so much simpler. And the things that are 100% yes, I, I can feel it right away. It's just clean and clear, like, of course. And that reflecting back to when I, you know, dropped out and started that business, it was 100% yes. So it wasn't, it wasn't scary. It's just like, no, this is clearly what I need to do. And every time I've listened to 100% yes, <laughs> which is a, it's like a feeling in the body, a gut feeling, 
it's always gone well. And the things that I think are going to go well that aren't 100% yes don't go well. <laughs> so sort of tuning into that and refining your ability to communicate with your, the deeper parts of you that, that know what's right, that's been the most useful tool in determining what to do <laughs> and what not to do. suggest you come ask Taylor because we're running out of time um, and you need to fill out the tracker and hand it back. Right? I'm going to so say one more thing yeah, absolutely. on that. So one, pr one really, really simple thing you can do, and this applies in business, of course, but in anything, is sit down with a journal or a piece of paper, write a question to yourself that you're contemplating, and then answer it and answer it without filtering yourself and thinking about what you're saying, just answer it. And the first little bit might not qu come through, but if you do it long enough, a, a clear answer will come through. So that's just like anybody can do that immediately, 20 minutes, and, and you have a lot more clarity. Um, hopefully that gives like a more concrete. <laughs> if you have a question and you can't stay, and we're gonna run out of time obviously, write it down right now. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that. So as I'm sure you know by now, the eighth law of the deep game is the law of transcendence, which states that basketball is not life. It's a teacher of life. And the biggest lessons basketball has to teach us are not in how to dribble and how to shoot and how to jump high. They're in the deep game and how you hold your mind and your emotions and commit yourself to mastery of a craft. Those lessons apply to every domain of your life, whether it's your relationships, your personal life, or of course, in this case, your business. So if you have aspirations of starting a business someday, or you're in the process of starting a business, or maybe like uh, our buddy Mason, you're getting ready to sell a business for millions of dollars, I hope this gave you some inspiration and maybe a little bit of information on how to go about doing it. So if you'd like to hear more on this, let me know in the comments or reach out to us anytime, support at deepgamebasketball.com. I would love to hear from you. And of course, if you want to continue your journey today, come join me over at deepgame.com and I will see you there.